This is the Drive-In Podcast, episode 30, take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to the 30th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode... We have an express checkup with Dr. O, breaking down the latest news in the movie industry. We have our review of Quentin Tarantino's grindhouse thriller from 2007, Death Proof. And we have our top billing of Quentin Tarantino characters in honor of Quentin Tarantino's birthday this past weekend. So, use the bathroom now. Grab your popcorn and enjoy the 30th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. All right, all right, Ricky Flex, big 3-0, Drive-In Pod, 30 episodes, we're coming down to the one-year anniversary of the Drive-In Podcast, how we feeling, Flex? Well, I'm feeling great after that, but I think we got to address the elephant in the room, or rooms. Uh We're missing our co-host, Nez, couldn't make it to this uh, this episode, just wanted to address that in the beginning, but yes, it is the big 3-0, 30 no longer in our 20s anymore. You know what they say. No longer young. But you know what? I'm feeling young still, Dr. O. Feeling young. Feeling this young. podcast is just starting up. So let's get, get it going, huh? The best is yet to come. We do miss Nez, but I can't say I feel that bad that he's missing this episode. The kid is in Mexico. So, True. I mean, and he's celebrating uh, his brother's uh, wedding. Mayo. So congratulations to him. Mayo, right? We're all recurring guests on the podcast. Congratulations. Yes. Congratulations. Congratulations. Uh, can't wait to i can't wait yes well snaps snaps snaps, snaps. Snap, snap, snap. but uh we, I, I can't wait to have mayo back on the pod now and then we're gonna have some incredible stories uh, probably from this past week in yes. mexico we might have so, to review like wedding crashes or something Ooh, i like yeah that or do like a top bailing with weddings or something in movies right and like in terms of reviews, like we've been like trying to like zone in on these new releases that are coming. Twenty twenty one is a massive year for new releases mm-hmm. after such a letdown that was twenty twenty COVID pandemic, yada yada yada. But we found a throwback review for today that was intriguing. A uh, movie in the pantheon of Tarantino films that kind of gets forgotten or people just refuse to acknowledge it for some reason. Yes. So are, aren't you jacked to be reviewing this movie? I'm jacked to be reviewing this movie because it's a throwback review. The last time we did a throwback review, we got a lot of positive reaction, as in the Scott Pilgrim, and that's kind of like a cult classic. And this one, it had terrible theatrical uh, like numbers, box office numbers, but it's kind of getting that cult classic feel. And you saw a lot of things on social media yesterday about Tarantino's birthday, and this movie just kept, kept popping up out of nowhere. So it feels like people want people to remember it, so we're just going to help with that. Yeah. Let's let's spread the good word. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's get started. Let's uh, let's do a little express checkup. What do you say, Flex? How about it, eh? How about it, eh? So after last week's positive reception to the express checkup, the fast-paced style, shout out Nez for the edit job, we're going to do the same thing today. And after we go through the news, uh, I'm going to ask Ricky Flex what he thinks, what's going on, what does he, uh, what headlines stand out. So let's get to it. Ready, Ricky Flex? Let's get it. Bringing you the latest news in the movie industry. This is the checkup with Dr. O. Dr. O, check us out. Oscar winner Helen Mirren has been cast as the villain Hespera in the upcoming sequel, 
to Shazam. Uh, the sequel will be called Shazam Fury of the Gods. Uh, it's currently set to hit theaters on June 2nd, 2023. DC luring in some Oscar-winning material with Helen Mirren. We also have more DC news. Pierce Brosnan has been cast as Dr. Fate in Black Adam. Brosnan will be portraying the Kent Nelson version of the character who discovers the tomb of the wizard Naboo and was trained by him in the ways of sorcery in order to fight crime and the forces of evil. He, uh, Dr. Fate was a founding member of the JSA, uh, the Justice Society of America, basically are, is the first version of the Justice League that they've used in the 1950s era. I'm excited for it. Let's keep going. Jeff Goldblum was spotted with Chris Hemsworth and Taika Waititi, leading fans to assume he'll be reprising his role as the Grandmaster uh, in Thor Love and Thunder. He debuted in the MCU with the Grandmaster with Thor Ragnarok back in 2017. MCU fans were, are probably pleased with that news. We also have more MCU news. Spider-Man No Way Home has wrapped filming. Tom Holland informed fans, fans through an Instagram account. Film is set to debut this December around Christmas time. Uh, lastly, we have some Restore the Snyderverse news. Uh, the Restore the Snyderverse hashtag has reached over 1 million tweets. I believe it's a million and a half at this point. But Corner, uh, Warner Media remains persistent. There will be no sequel to the HBO Max smashing success. We shall see. And then to wrap up here, we're going to go into a trailer roundup in a sec. But we also got a trailer for The Suicide Squad coming from James Gunn, switching over from Marvel to the DC Universe. And along with that, we had a bunch of character posters. Uh, we will get to the trailer roundup, but first, Flix, that does it for the Express Checkup. Any headlines there stick out to you? You've just been checked up by Dr. O. Oh, great job there, Dr. O. Once again, back-to-back weeks, bringing the heat. Love it. I guess like the big news here is... DC, I guess. Like, I know you you get the Jeff Goldblum like, coming back, Spider-Man Away From Home news. But I think the ones that are popping off is Snyder Cut, of course. Just people still persistent, even more so than before. So that's good news for us. We're Restored the uh, Snyderverse podcast, so good news for us. But Restored. just DC bringing in these, like, Oscar-nominated, Oscar-winning, or just really good actors, like just pure actors into their realm, mm-hmm. similar to what Marvel has done. Now they're just following that similar trajectory, that similar path with Helen Mirren and Pierce Bronson. Now, Pierce Bronson, I personally don't think he's very good in a lot of the things he's done, but I still watch his movies because it's Pierce Bronson. Like, come mm-hmm. on. Like, right. Volcano uh, and obviously James Bond. Like, let, like, I'm taking that. So, and Helen Mirren's Helen Mirren speaks for herself, right? Kind of like a Meryl Sheep, Streep. So, it's just DC, I think, is just taking over the news lately, and it's, I'm happy to see it. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I love DC, like, kind of taking over a little bit here. Uh, I, and this, this is, like, going on the second week of the Falcon, the Winter Soldier. We're still having DC dominate, right, the media world right now. So we have Pierce Brosnan. Uh, interesting enough, like, when I, th- when I heard that he was playing Dr. Fate, I wasn't that shocked that he's, like, going to the superhero realm. If we can recall, Deadpool 2, everyone thought he was going to play Cable instead of Josh Brolin. And uh, Josh Looks Brolin, similar. he was a great ca- yeah, because I remember like there was Instagram uh, posts from Ryan Reynolds kind of like hinting at it and that like, he was like auditioning or he was like being looked at for the role. It was it was a pretty big buzz, but it's great when you have like he's James Bond, dude, like for a lot of people, he is James Bond, depending on your age and to have him back in the game. Right. And the, the most popular type of action movie going in, in terms of the superhero film. 
uh, to have him a part of the DCEU, I think, is a win. And then Helen Mirren being cast in Shazam as the villain, that's electric. Like, like, like that's something I would never think of. I've never think Helen Mirren would say yes to it. But I'm looking at a recent filmography. She's like, she was in Hobbs and Shaw. She's going to be in Fast 9. She was in that movie Red where she was like an older, like, action hero. So it's like, looking at her now, it seems like she's just having fun at her age, you know, just yes. doing her thing, just trying to, like, enjoy her job rather than, I guess, be one of those hardos that we talked about, like Daniel Day-Lewis. Or Meryl Streep, like I compared her to. Yeah. Like, and they, like Meryl Streep would never, I don't, I can never see her doing like an MCU. Too much of a hardo, like you said. Or Star Wars. It's just like, like, Mm -hmm. they're above it. I love how she's like, nah, I'm not above this. I'm just, I'm going to have some fun. Embrace it. You know, it's almost, the casting almost reminds me a little bit of Kate Blanchett uh, for Thor Ragnarok. But she was phenomenal in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, I did like her. I didn't love her compared to other MCU villains. I, know I did like her a lot. Just it was so unique to see Kate, Kate Blanchett, someone that played Catherine Hepburn in The Aviator, to play that yeah. role. Like, nah, it was, she, it was she, unbelievable. Like, she goes from Carol to, like, Thor. Yeah, Carol. Yeah. It's, like, it's nuts. But uh, other than that, that the, not get, much of the other news is kind of – well, I was going to say not much of the other headlines really grabbed my attention, but it's mm-hmm. good news. DC, once again, dominating. It's what's yeah. We, they have our attention. How many times have we talked about Marvel casting news, Marvel movies, DC, last two weeks, thanks to the Snyderverse. And now these castings, mm-hmm. they're in the right direction. They're heading in yeah. the right direction. And I guess I just want to mention one more thing before we wrap up this segment is with Pierce, Pierce Bronson, like kind of a revival right now because he's he's in the news here and he's going to be in an A24 movie uh, coming up in a couple months, uh, false mm. positive. So that's I think that's going to be on Hulu actually this summer in June, uh, going straight to streaming. Um, but also I think it's like a duplicate, like theater and Hulu maybe perhaps, okay. but definitely Hulu. So A24 is picking him up. Like he's getting back in the game a little bit. I'm, mm-hmm. It's interesting to see it. Cause I, like I said before, I'm not a huge fan, but I'm going to watch his stuff. So his recent, to mem- see that. recent memory. I just think of him singing in Mamma Mia. Oh God. <laughs> With his, 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 his like deepened voice, you know, mm. barely, barely hitting a note, but I think they kind of hit it. They hit him a bit in uh, the second, in the sequel to it. Uh, here we go again. Right, and they, he didn't really sing that much. They kind of said, "Okay, we'll just uh, just mention that he's in the movie. We won't really have yeah, no, no solos." And I think I said the volcano. I meant to say Dante's Peak. That was the movie. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he was like a '90s king, dude. Yeah, he was a '90s king. He was James Bond. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, so Ricky Flex, what I really want to get to is uh, we're gonna do a little tra- trailer roundup to follow up the Express checkup. We had the trailer, the highly anticipated trailer. For the Suicide Squad, the James Gunn Suicide so Squad. We have it all. The Suicide Squad, but it seems like it almost looked more like a sequel than I was anticipating. Look, we have a lot of returning characters. We have Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. We have Captain Boomerang with Jack Courtney. We have Joel Kinnaman playing Rick Flag. Obviously, Harley Quinn back. It felt I like I anticipated this was gonna be like a quasi reboot. They just wouldn't acknowledge the first movie mm-hmm. that happened, but it would just still be a sequel. I'm getting different vibes here from this trailer. So what did you like about this trailer? Or I should say, what was your immediate reaction when you saw it, Flex? Okay, so I guess I'll start with the latter, immediate reaction. I thought it was great. I know you'll probably get into some of the CGI effects with King Shark there, but I'm just going to focus on the song. Song choice, Steely Dan, like little remix too. I thought was, that was impeccable. Um, mm-hmm. I think Idris Elba and John Cena on the same screen together is going to be electric. I think that's going to be amazing. And I know, I personally think that there's a lot of characters going on here. There's a core group, but then you got a bigger group of all these villains coming together. I'm a little nervous for that because how are you going to balance all these screen times? And 
Like, I'm just not sure how he's going to do it. But I have confidence in James Gunn, obviously, because he's just a good filmmaker. He writes parts for actors, right? So unlike the in the original and a lot of big box office, big budget movies like this, action movies, they just write for the char- like the actual characters, not for the actual actors. But James Gunn, the filmmaker that he is, is writing for the actors to play the character. So I think that's going to really show in these movies and show like just going to show the difference in quality between the two suicide squads i yeah so i thought it was a great trailer uh it was one that i've been waiting for for literally months ever since they had that five minute behind the scenes look during dc fandom we now finally have that great we wanted to see john cena as peacemaker i think he was the scene stealer in this trailer uh, just from his lines on the 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 the, the the beaches, the beaches, the yeah. whatever, like lined up with dicks and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, very, very, very hilarious. And I like what he would do for liberty and stuff like that. It's just, I was, I like the dynamic between him and Idris Elba's blood sport a lot. There was like an editing mistake with Shark, where King Shark raised his hand like twice. At least it was on Twitter. I think I looked it up on YouTube. I didn't see any, but there seemed to be some editing mistake there. The song choice, I'm not surprised. Like, I'm a fool, like doing your dirty work there. That's a great song to relate to the Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. right? It, it works perfectly with that. Um, and it's, I'm not surprised James Gunn just knows how to do soundtracks. He knows how he, he like follows in that line of like Scorsese, the way he implements music. And he seems like to be a disciple, but he's more like obviously the superhero realm. And like obviously, we talk about we're gonna talk about Tarantino, his use of music, how he plays to the scene. James Gunn's a master, the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One and Two. Uh, uh, soundtracks are two of the greatest like soundtracks I would say that ever ever have ever been assembled. Mm-hmm. Um, King Shark being played by Sly Stallone. I wish I saw that coming. We knew that Sly Stallone was going to be in this movie, but we didn't know in what facet. I thought he was potentially going to be the villain, uh, but him as King Shark almost seems too good to be true. Right. Yeah, and you know that like James Gunn was like on a tweeting a tweeting spree. Like he's probably tweeted like a hundred times the past two days mm-hmm. about this movie and about all like the behind the scenes. And one of the things behind the scenes he said. I wrote this part for Sly Stallone and I asked him, uh, I'm paraphrasing, obviously like, Hey, I wrote this part for you. It doesn't take a lot of time and you just have to be a voice actor. Can you do it? And then Sly Stallone said for you, brother, of course, like that's just like the expectation from people like us, just outer viewers being like, of course, Sly Stallone would say like a comment like that. Of course, like for you, brother, like that's awesome. One of the, one of the few actors that's in the MCU and DCEU now. You gotta love that. Yeah. Because from his appearance in Guards of the Galaxy Volume Two, mm-hmm. um, Harley Quinn. I was, ex- I, w- I know we have to get to know these other characters, and that's like I think a big part of this trailer. Like Polka Dot Man, obviously King Shark, Bloodsport was basically replacing Will Smith, uh, who played Deadshot in the first Suicide Squad. But when you look at, I like when I think of the Suicide Squad, I think Harley Quinn. I just wanted more of her. Right, and I think she was funny in this trailer. I like the line about the license plates. So it's very on point that they are this. This the squad is trying to like basically uh, break her out of. I don't know if she's she's being held captive or something, but she's mm-hmm. actually just waiting for the team. She's like, "Are you looking for me or something?" And I thought that part was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm ex- I'm I'm just pumped for it. And uh, August sixth can't come soon enough. It's gonna be re- releasing on HBO Max as well. Yeah, no, that's going to be awesome. And I, I think Harley Quinn, I, I think there was enough of her personally. You saw, you saw her with the cannon. The whole beginning part was focused on her to like revolved around her. And then you see her like she was the big like stop the music. She's on the screen, right? So yeah. I kind of disagree with you there, but it doesn't really matter. It's just a trailer. And I think it goes to what you said. We have such these, these weird characters like Polka Dot Man, Weasel. Uh, like just 
oddball characters that you don't really think of super villains, right? Like they're side villains, but James Gunn's going to make them into like, like these prominent characters. And then like what he's done with the guardians, like you don't think like when you, before the guardians of the galaxy, you think Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, right? But he made guardians now like on, like on par of that level of box office because of how good he like made that movie, that whole two movies. So I think he's going to do the same thing here. With these odd Rock- characters. He made Rocket Raccoon a one of the like fan favorites of the Groot. MCU. He made Groot, like a tree who doesn't even talk. He's going like, to do the same thing here. Three words. So uh, I think King Shark, there's many connections you can make like to Guardians of the Galaxy. It almost, it looks eerily similar, obviously, not only because of the director, but like obviously the music choices and the team ups and the lesser known characters. If there's anyone who's going to make this movie successful for the DCEU, it's going to be James Gunn. And you can, you know how much pleasure he has making these movies specifically because when he was let go by Disney and he wasn't going to make Guardians of the Galaxy 3, DC basically said to James Gunn, you do whatever you want. You pick the project. He could have done Superman if he wanted to. He could have done a potential, like one, not Wonder Woman. It's like Patty Jenkins kind of owns that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. he could have done any, he had any, uh, a pick, he could pick the litter. Like he literally could have done anything. He's like, I'm going to do the Suicide Squad because I know, I know I can make these characters uh, household names. Uh, it's shocking. It's yeah. it's absolutely shocking. Just like someone yeah. that would pick that, like, especially after that the, big the, bomb, you know, from the prior film. He's just like, no, I'm gonna make this what it should be. This it should be this right. good, my level of good. It shouldn't be that trash that was uh, a few years back. That's just disrespectful to this this whole DCEU. So I love mm-hmm. that. And then, like, what do you think of the villain Starro? So Starro, basically, I thought was Patrick Star. Like <laughs> I thought it was like from the new SpongeBob. You know, the new SpongeBob animations. They look certain ways. Like, right. <laughs> Like it's almost like they want to look like real people, but at the same time, it's not. Right. But so when I when I saw it, I was kind of like taken back by it. But after doing some research, this is the first villain that the Justice League faces in the comics. So that's kind mm-hmm. of interesting. Uh, and obviously, it's a big. It's a, he's literally massive. Like and like the, he, there's some mind control stuff going on. He's able to put like stars on people's faces. Almost remind me a little bit of Watchmen in terms of like the octopus, or whatever, just falling uh, on the entire city. But uh, what do you think of Starro, Flex? No, it's really interesting because, like you said, he has like psychic powers and he conquers worlds, right? And he can get like his uh, victims, I guess, like people like you and me, like he can control them and like basically be- become his slaves and help him like conquer worlds. So it's going to mm-hmm. be interesting how, how like they portray that. Like, are they going to actually have like people like you and me, humans, be slaves and trying to? like beat up the suicide squad or like how are they going to how's james gunn going to approach that i can't wait to see that too because again a lesser known character like not really a big dc like not obviously comic book wise yes but past 30 years in the dceu you've never heard of this character so it's mm-hmm. interesting again james gunn lesser known villain lesser known character bringing to the limelight and someone that's very powerful so it's going to be awesome to see i think right um yeah so once again like it's like ego like no one knew who ego was mm-hmm. and then like kurt russell comes in there and plays him everybody's like oh one of the best villains in the mcu so kurt russell's death proof i i think one more thing i wanted to bring up like it's going to be interesting how this fits into this uh the outlook of the dc universe 
if uh, how what mentions are we going to get related to other movies are we going to get any mentions i know we talked about how it kind of seemed like a sequel to suicide squad but how about the films that preceded it and the films that are kind of as like is there going to be like a shazam mention is there going to be a, a superman mention things like that like it's just i i'm curious how they're approaching this especially with like the multiverse being set up in the upcoming flash movie they, i think i have a feeling like james gunn's just going to be like okay i'm just not going to mess with that at all i'm just going to make sure i make this movie great with these characters yeah way i think you're right and also he said like this is the most fun he's ever had on the set of making this movie which is kind of like a little jab guardians right but Mm -hmm. again like i think it goes to your point he's gonna he did what he wanted so i i think that whether he did or not it's definitely what he wanted and what he wants in the future because i think there'll be more than one if this is critically successful Right. Um, I mean, they already have the they already have the Peacemaker spinoff series coming exactly. to HBO. Exactly. Like, so they're so expecting they, critical success as well. They're banking on this being like a major hit for the DC mm-hmm. uh, to keep up the successful year they've already had with the Snyder Cut. Uh, and then uh, also the island that this is taking place where Starro is um, uh, basically taking control, like where he's like seen in the uh, trailer. That is a callback. It's at Cordo Maltese, which is a fake country, fake island. Um, from the Dark Knight Returns. So I like that little um, Easter egg from James Gunn there, right? What Dark Knight Returns, one of the best like graphic novels ever ever written. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy reading. I just sometimes pick a page. I was telling Ricky Flex, I just sometimes pick a random page to read and I just go from there. Highly entertaining. Um, so that does it for the trailer. Uh, and that does it for our Express Checkup trailer roundup, all the whole shebang. We will now move on to our review of Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof. All right, Ricky Flex, it's time for our review of 2007's Death Proof. The synopsis is Stuntman Mike, played by Kurt Russell, is a professional body double who likes to take unsuspecting women for deadly drives in his free time. He has doctored his car for maximum impact. When Mike purposely causes wrecks, the bodies pile up when he walks away with barely a scratch. The insane Mike may be in over his head, though, when he targets a tough group of female friends, including a real-life stuntwoman, Zoe Bell, who plays Uma Thurman's double in Kill Bill. She plays herself in the movie. Very cool. So on Rotten Tomatoes, this has a score of 65% IMDb. It's a 7 out of 10. So, Ricky Flex, as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, a film in Quentin Tarantino's filmography that kind of gets overlooked at times. I think a lot of, like, I I know we wanted to start off with your early reactions, maybe your score for the film, knee-jerk reaction, Flex, go. I love this movie. I really liked just watching it. It was so entertaining. I thought Kurt Russell was just a monster, absolute beast in this movie. Every Every single conversation he had, you were just glued to the screen. He was just so compelling and just you were on the edge of your seat the entire time he was on the screen so i really thought he was amazing in this the music typical tarantino just fuego i think actually i was reading on this movie he brought down his jukebox from his personal um his personal jukebox 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 geez i can't talk for this movie in that in that bar scene in the first part of the movie so it was his actual jukebox which is just phenomenal that's incredible but um Mm -hmm. I thought like, so I'm giving a lot of reviews here or a lot of my takes here. I also just want to say the action sequences were great, but now I'll pass it off to you. Phenomenal. I think that's what stood out the most. Cause like obviously this movie's broken up into two parts, but the one part of the movie that I 
can't believe is not talked about enough in terms of like social media, in terms of people when they just talk about great action scenes, the final scene of this movie where it's like uh, the final third, I should say, of this movie. The, uh, the final act. The, yeah, the final act. So like with Zoe Bell specifically, uh, her hanging onto the top of the car, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden Kurt Russell like slamming into it, her flying back and forth. That was some of the most exhilarating action sequences I've seen in film maybe ever. That was yeah. insanity. And then going on with like Kurt Russell's performance, very strong in uh, the part one of the film because it really is broken up into two parts. The mystery, the intrigue of his character, and the way he was able to lure his victims like at the bar. That whole scene with the with the bar, I thought was on point. I I kind of like marvel at the fact that Tarantino can make films. He can adopt any style. He can make a kung fu movie. He could do a World War Two movie. He could do a grindhouse muscle car movie, and then still maintain. And, like, keep that, like, feeling of this is still a Tarantino movie. Yeah. Whether it be, like, through his music, through his weird foot fetishes, which is so we'll get to that. prevalent in this movie. We'll get to that. He's able, and then, like, the, the, the meaningless discussion that is trying to just intrigue the audience. Like, he still keeps those Tarantino-isms through different styles of film. And it's really impressive because this is – I'm a huge Tarantino fan. I would say he's my favorite director ever. I would say he's my number one. I never, I never seen Death Proof, and it's so weird because we didn't know what we were going to review today, and we kind of just both started watching this movie like, like no context, like we didn't yeah. even say like, oh yeah, maybe we should uh, review this. We just did it, and I snapshot at Ricky Flex, and it's like Death Proof is on. He's like, I'm watching the same thing. I'm like, <laughs> review it, but I uh, couldn't agree more with you. So uh, you want to throw out your score? What did you give it? Well, I like this movie. I do think it has some flaws, and we'll get to those, but. I gave it an 81. I gave it an 81. I know that's higher than critic like IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes, but I just think that a lot of things worked in this movie that just puts it on in a, the next level above a 70 and above even an 80. I, I just think that this movie doesn't get the due because he's just, it's obviously not in the same realm, the vicinity as his other films. And I think a lot of that part is his dialogue in this movie. It's just, I think it was just too much an ode to himself. Just try, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, cause he just, there was all these bar scenes, these long dialogue scenes when Kurt Russell wasn't involved, that just weren't interesting. They were mm-hmm. boring and annoying to be honest. And I, I don't, I don't want to spoil any of them and any of the specific conversations, but I just thought it was just a little too much for me. So, um, but besides that, the action sequences, the acting, the music, the setting, making it like 1970s, but we're not in the seventies. Like, I thought it was phenomenal, so I'll give it an 81. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had similar thoughts. I, I'm give, I gave it a 75. Um, I think the action sequences make up for, like, I think the very dull parts of the movie. There are, like, the, uh, we talked about Tarantino-isms, the useless conversation. The thing is, the thi- like, Tarantino has these moments, obviously what sticks out, Jules and Vincent Vega, like, them going back and forth about pop culture and, like, certain things that are going on in the world and their views. It may not be directly related to what's going on, but the characters and the actors are so electric that you're, like, I'm I willing to hear this. And it's, like, like, a, like Reservoir Dogs are talking about not believing in tipping. It has nothing to do with the movie, but the content of the conversation and, like, the characters saying it 
makes the audience kind of like, yes, I, 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 like they make it's, it's entertaining usually, but there were moments of this movie specifically when in the second act where they're eating breakfast, they're at a restaurant. The scene is way too long. It's like that 20 whole, minutes. That's, it's like, so, okay. So that whole circling camera, mm-hmm. one shot the entire time. And then you have Kurt Russell like looming in the background for a, like a second of it. Yep. But I agree a hundred percent with you that like Kurt Russell was so good in this. There wasn't enough of Kurt Russell. In my yes. Opinion. And so, I love how you pointed that out because there's another one with that because there's two like, – like you said, there's two parts of this movie. There's one group of girls in the beginning or ladies, and there's another group of ladies. And I think the second group of ladies just weren't very good. Like I just don't think they were great. I think they were yeah. average. And like obviously we talked about um, Zobel and the action sequences she's in, the actual stunt work that she did. Like great. But just the actual dialogue at, at the diner that they were at, at the – when they were getting the car near the end, just way too long. Like it just so unnecessary and so unnecessary to the point where I'm just like, do I hit the fast forward 15 seconds button? <laughs> like I would never, I it didn't do over that, over. but it was like, I touched my cursor for a second. It was just like getting ridiculous. But mm-hmm. that first group, it plays such a pivotal part because they kept bouncing between Kurt Russell and them, Kurt Russell and them and talking about each group. So it was in again, it was goes back to your allure, the mystery around Kurt Russell and why he's there, why he's around these group of women. He I think Tarantino did honestly, if it was just this first part and it was a short film, this would be like in the nineties for me. Right. I think if they just ended it right after and after that first part and it was a video short, like a forty minute film, it would uh-huh. be an a huge like feat, a cinematic feat. But mm-hmm. it's a whole full feature film. Then you don't so get the, you, gotta, you don't get the uh, action though in the uh, second half. Right, that is true. And that that's what like catapulted the score for me. Like that that whole sequence was unbelievable. I I I, I don't think Kurt Russell like he didn't really maintain the same character he was necessarily in the first act. He was still crazy and stuff, but I don't know. He just seemed a little different. But what I I think what was so interesting about his character that this is like I was like trying to figure out what is his motive for doing this? Why? does he do this and then you figure out by the end he just loves to do it like he just loves to mess with other people's cars and he loves to wreck things with his it's his vice because he doesn't drink like like at least at the bar scene he wasn't drinking uh he does like he smokes cigarettes but he doesn't do anything else like super inappropriate he's just like i this is what i do for fun and well makes him so like maniacal It's like it's such a psychopath i so i agree with you but i do think there's another motive that we get and it's with women's feet. <laughs> oh my god! Right? So no, no. Like seriously, I feel like he was just pinpoint. Like in the beginning of the movie, you see the girl at the in the the opening credits. Right, the girl's feet are on the dashboard, and then you see Kurt Russell looking on, and then now he's stalking them. Right, and and then the next group of ladies, he's at that convenience store, takes a look to his right, the feet are out the window, and then he goes to like lick the feet. Right. Or whatever he does, like that weird, like that. He literally, he like sucked on her toe or something. Yeah. So, like, I just think, like, he sees a group of women and sees some feet, and he's like, all right, there's my vice. I'm going to do it to these group of women. So weird. I, 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 at first, I was like thinking, like, I wish he was like more of a clear motive, like why he does this, but it's just like sometimes the villain's just a pure psycho, and that's what he was in this movie, just a pure psycho. Mm -hmm. Um, I also we were highlighting a lot of the action scenes, but one of the scenes I really enjoyed was his interaction with Butterfly at the bar, Stuntman Mike and Butterfly, where 
uh, he recites the poem that is hinted at at the beginning of the movie. And if like someone recites that poem, she's supposed to give them a lap dance or, or, and whatnot. I thought that exchange between those two was incredible. And I thought Kurt Russell absolutely nailed it. He is like, he was like a creepy dude, but somehow Tarantino kind of made him likable. If that's yes, nice. I agree. Like, I was like, like, I'm like, he is so weird in the way he's like asking for this and he's not leaving these girls alone. But then the girl all, cause I think we also like, are like, He's also a charming guy at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's like the girl. Oh, sure. I'll give like, you a ride home. You know what I mean? Yeah, the girl's like buying into it eventually and it just makes him seem likable. And then like in terms of Tarantino using a crafting, a great scene, the music during the lap dance scene at the bar, her singing the song, dancing around on Kurt Russell. I was like, this is Tarantino. Like, mm-hmm. This is, this is why like you, this is him putting a stamp on this movie for sure. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. I think that that interaction and that woman, um, Vanessa Ferlito, I believe her name is, that actress's name, mm-hmm. that she was great in this movie too. And yeah. and again, it goes back to my point. Like, what if they, instead of ended that part, instead, if they made it inst- not just a video short, but what if they just did a full feature film just on these group of women and him just stalking them throughout, like Austin, throughout those couple of days that she's supposed to be there? I think that would have been interesting too. And then you have an action sequence with them. Or something like that. I feel like you could have done that um, as well, but he didn't. And that bar scene, though, well, I think that was my favorite scene in the movie by far, even over the action sequences. Because wow. again, yes, because of this the myst- the mystique around it, just like what's gonna happen? He's been stalking these girls, these ladies. Like, what is going to happen, and why? Like, why is he doing this in his weird death-proof car? Mm-hmm. And he's like a villain. It's a villain in and of itself. Just yes, the car. and know? also. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was uh, I was just gonna say also like it's interesting because it's also the mystique around the character with Tarantino in the movie who plays Warren the bar owner and he goes like my name's Stuntman Stuntman Mike and then the lady's like no it's not like what's your real name and stuff like that and then ask the bar owner Tarantino like hey who's this guy he goes oh Stuntman Mike that's just classic Tarantino like what he does with the dialogue quick like jabs mm-hmm. just the oddball things that. Make no it seem extra normal. questions. No yes. extra questions. Just like, yeah, that's it. And, um, mm-hmm. I also wanted to talk about in terms of the style of the film, like the muscle car, the grindhouse style, low budget. I, I think it worked for this film, but I think it was almost too true to a low budget movie from like the 70s. It, it, it was like uh, there's the editing kind of pissed me off at points where it was just cut off scenes. The bar scene's a great example with the lap dance, just cutting it off. And they have like the splotches on the screen, the grainy feel. I think it was almost too true to it. And it kind of annoyed me in some scenes, like some transitions from place to place. Mm-hmm. But that's like Tarantino honoring this type of film. And he's trying to make it like an actual seven yes. house film. Yes. So this- I, like, I, I respect him doing it, but it didn't make it more enjoyable for me as the audience. Yes. And, I agree with you. It's just his ode to film, right? He's honoring, paying homage to this film genre, these B-level films that were out in these B-level movie theaters that were just grimy and just weird, right, in the Mm -hmm. 1970s. And I think it's also, because this was also part of a double feature. So this movie only made 30 million, 25 million, 25 million at the box office. Budget was 30 million, so lower budget, but didn't even make its budget because it was a double feature with this other movie with Robert Rodriguez, um, called Planet Terror. And that has Josh Brolin in it, Bruce Willis, like some big names in that as well. But this, the double feature, three hour plus length, just didn't do it justice. Uh, didn't get anybody to come see the movie. And it was trying to recreate this experience with these sleazy movies at these grind houses, right? Mm-hmm. But it just didn't work. And 
that's why they kind of separated them now on streaming that now you can only watch death proof separately than planet terror. And I think just in this day and age, that's what you're going to get. And that's what it's going to actually have people watch it. Right. So I, and again, going back to what you were just saying with, um, like Tarantino, they, Tarantino's name is on it. So it's like, when you think of like, you would think like not a superhero movie, not an action movie, but Tarantino, it's going to make money. So it, it is pretty shocking. Yes. And, also, like he, he said, like this is his least favorite film. I believe he said yeah, that. He did say he, that. Yeah, right. Okay, so it's, it, it was a flop. It was a complete flop. Like now we talked about like a little bit of a cult following, but again, it's his ode to film, paying homage, the throwback aesthetic, which I agree with you. The weather discolored, scratchy feel of it just didn't work for me the, at the all. Black and white for because, like ten minutes. Right, because I, I love like Tarantino transitions. Like an example would be like when the girl's smoking outside and sees the death proof vehicle. And goes inside, there's a quick cutoff, and then it's her in the bar again, like, talking. I'm like, no, I want the Tarantino, like, bar entrance. Like, Mm -hmm. showing the feet, body up, and then showing the aesthetic of the bar, not the actual aesthetic of 1970s film, that Grindhouse style. I want Tarantino's film aspects, not the ode to this B-level cinema, which it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's like, he knows he's not making a good movie as he's making the movie. Yes, yeah. Weird. A little too much love for cinema. Like, I want you, your filmmaking, not the 70s sleazy movies. Right. So that's where he's like, it's a a fine line. Like, what is, like, he's replicating the genre, but he also is keeping his style of film. And uh, to kind of like, this is like a little bit of a tangent. Uh, kind of going away from that a little bit, but in terms of uh, the nice cameos in here, not cameos, but like uh, the Easter eggs, the big kahuna mention, big kahuna burger mentions, you have the red apple cigarettes. He still maintains that in the feet, fet- the foot what? fetish thing. It's just, and it was, it was the, the biggest one, Kurt Russell, stuntman. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Oh yeah, stuntman. He, he, he has a fascination with the industry, even like the small aspects of it. Like clearly, with the stuntman and who might be make Cliff Booth might be making an appearance in top billing today. But um, Tarantino I, universe in the making of Tarantino movie universe. I, they, they, I think Tarantino. I said before they all exist in a universe together. I think he, he that was his intention when mm-hmm. he was initially making his movies. So I think that's that's awesome. Like I like I, I like that was like before. The MCU, this goes back to 92, 94 with Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown in 97. Like he and Kill Bill, 2001, 2002, mm. 2004. It's just, uh, I like that idea and like the subtleties like in his movies that you can tell that they're connected. Right. I like it. Yeah. And you can, like, there's in Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, like, you clearly see that. It's super obvious. In this movie, you see it as well. So I just love how we get this universe. That's not a superhero universe, if you understand mm-hmm. that. Like, not a superhero right. franchise or like a Hobbit, Lord of the Rings franchise. Like, this is and just something he's doing. Anything, you know? Right. It's just him just being creative and being a filmmaker, just be, mm-hmm. doing random, random movies that he likes because he just wants entertainment. Entertainment that's also aesthetically pleasing and critically acclaimed. And I just appreciate that. Right. And I've always wondered, like, if a character crossed over into another movie, like Hateful Eight, what if, like, Django showed up at the end of it looking to stay at, like, the haberdashery? Like, that, that That's would be, pretty that, cool. Like, that would have been awesome. Like, just, like, a cameo at the end. Like, maybe even, like, a post credit scene. It would never lead to a movie, but it's just, it's adding, it's just making sure you know these are all connected somehow. Mm-hmm. But I like this movie a lot. I think that does it for our review. We got an 81 from Ricky Flex. We got a 75 from Dr. O. We are now going to move on to top 
billing. And this week we have a draft of the best Quentin Tarantino characters. Ricky Flex, I'm throwing it over to you. Thank you, Dr. Rowe. Okay. Now we go on to the top billing, which is inspired by Quentin Tarantino's birthday, which is why we reviewed Death Proof, which was written and directed by Tarantino. But today we have the top billing of Quentin Tarantino characters. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously it's going to be a little different. It's just Dr. Rowe and myself. We don't have a three-man draft. But it's still going to be a snake draft style with five picks. And once a character is picked, it is off the board. No repeats allowed. You're allowed to repeat movies, but not character. Okay? So, but before we get going, Dr. Rowe, thoughts going into this draft? It's only a two-man draft. Tarantino has a wide plethora of characters. What are you thinking going into this draft? Draft strategy, perhaps? Yeah. So, it, it, we did decide we're going to do a, a snake with two people. So that made me, I won the coin toss to decide what pick I wanted. I, I chose the second pick because I'd rather have the back-to-back to start off with, the power first and second pick, get two out of my top three right off the bat. Um, I'm, I'm so hyped for this because I, obviously I said before, Tarantino is my favorite director. Um, I just can't wait to talk about all these juicy characters. I'm going to feel bad if I don't pick a couple of them. And I think there's going to be, a, a, the honorable mentions are going to be a, uh, a lengthy discussion, I would say. Yeah, definitely a lengthy discussion. I know I have a big board well past 15, but I know we only need 10, like there's only going to be 10 people picked here, but it's just, I can't wait to get started. So how about it? Let's get, let's get to it. Huh? Yeah, I got over 21 names on the big board and I starred about eight of them. Well, I guess I'm going to get going here since I have the first pick and Dr. O is the second pick for the top billing of Quentin Tarantino characters. My movie done get top. The first pick goes to myself, and it is Hans Landa. I'm a detective. A damn good detective. Wow. I don't think there's a clear and obvious number one. Like, I know you... I don't... I know some people might have their favorite. This... I think Hans Landa is just the ultimate villain. Just a... Like, Nazis are obviously, just in general, the biggest villains ever. But Hans Landa on the screen, you could feel that he's just the worst of the worst Nazi, uh, like, like the Hitler's disciple. You could feel that on the screen. You just want to punch. You just want to like, like this guy is just so hateful, but hateful in such a pleasing way to watch on like a cinematic screen. So mm-hmm. Christoph Waltz just did something that honestly I never saw before in a villain. Like this was just amazingly done. That first scene in the entire movie in this epic it, it might have stole the show for the, or was the best scene in the movie, and you still had another two and a half hours of watching. So I'm going to go Hans Land as my first pick. I honestly thought I was going to get with the second pick. That's why I took the second and third pick. <laughs> so, oh. I'm a little, I'm a, so you actually kind of just stole the pick I intended. But I, I'm not going to hate who I'm getting here. But uh, his presence on screen is unbelievable, and he's not like he's not like a physically imposing person either. Christoph Waltz is like my height, like five seven, right? Shout out to all the short kings. But he is absolutely menacing here uh that opening scene i actually like that that that's one of the best opening scenes maybe in hollywood history like that is uh truly iconic you have the french man quivering in fear in a one-on-one with hans landa um and then it's such a satisfying way for him to go out at the end of the movie too with uh i'm not gonna tease any more picks but um his exit in the movie kind of getting what getting what he deserved at the end so i like the pick 
Hans Landa first overall. All right. Now to you for your first and second picks, Dr. O. So I think I have to go Jules. I have to go Jules from Pulp Fiction. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brother. I would say, man, I, if we were ranking Tarantino films, this is probably number one in terms of like fa- my favorite and just overall best. Jules steals every scene he's in. There are so many juicy characters from Pulp Fiction, but I think he just stands above the rest. And obviously the screen time is so split up, but I think he dominates. Even with the conversations with Vincent, it's just Jules is the one that you are listening to most uh, intensely. <laughs> he's such an intense person. His thoughts too, his thought-provoking ideas, the way he views God, the way he views religion. And then like, and then his, uh, I, I just think of like the, 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 the funny um, scenes he's involved with too, where like Vincent Vega shoots, 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 uh, shoots. Uh, what the what the frick's his name? Shoots the guy in the back seat, shoots him right through the head, and then you have mm-hmm. to do that interaction between those two. Uh, you got obviously Royale with cheese. We got like the, them in the hallway talking about what Marcellus Wallace did to the person who the uh, who gave uh, Mia Wallace a foot massage. So now it's just like going back the to the foot Tarantino. So it's just it, like Jules is an all-time movie character. I can't believe uh, Samuel Jackson didn't get a uh, uh, best supporting Oscar for this role. I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger for those who attempt incredible. to destroy my brothers. The guy so angry, all-time so line, intense, so serious. Yeah, one of the best lines in movie history. So he Divine was the person. So he was the person, Jules, that I was debating with at number one, and. I think he like he has the great monologue, the great quote, like we just said, but the great monologue at the end when he's talking to Pumpkin. Uh, I just teased the pick, my fault. That's okay. Um, I, I did too. But uh, now I'm thrown off. But yeah, great pick. Um, but it's back to you again. Second pick here. I'm gonna. I think I have to go double Pulp Fiction, and I'm not gonna go Vincent. I'm actually gonna go Mia Wallace. Wow. My second round pick. Only thing Antoine ever touched in mine was my hand when he shook it at my wedding. Mia Wallace is someone I I think when I think of Quentin Tarantino, I think of Mia Wallace doing the dance move where she, like obviously like the eyes, you know, or the hands to the eyes. I think of her boogieing with Vincent <laughs> Vega, thinking about the five dollar milkshake. I think about her o ODing and then like getting being brought back to life. Um every scene she's in is electrifying. Uh, and she has like this appeal about her. She has like, I don't know, like, she, I don't know if it's her, her like sexuality. It's like, you know, how that's kind of emphasized in the movie. Her, like, I don't know. I just had to go Mia Wallace. When I think of Tarantino, I think of Uma Thurman. Obviously, you can have Uma Thurman in a couple points in this list. I love her most as Mia Wallace. So that's my second rounder. I'm shocked. I, you could have gotten that late because I was looking at that as a fifth rounder for myself. I'm in wow. love. Maybe a fourth rounder, because yeah, I guess no fifth, because only two people. It would be a fifth rounder here. Um, wow, I'm I'm a little shocked, but I think it is a great pick. Oscar nom for that role, of course. Everyone was her, Sam L, and the other, and not teasing. Also, Oscar noms for all of them. Mm-hmm. So it was a great pick. All time like fake drug uh, on your death scene, like probably the best one ever. Oh my gosh. Like you, right. like the we, eyes I'm rolling sorry, backwards. That scene, but that scene is unbelievable. But like yeah. her eyes like rolled backwards. I'm like, how can you do that when you're not actually like 
about to die. Like that was unbelievable yeah. uh, piece of acting. So no, it, it is a great pick. Definitely should be uh, drafted between two people. So I'm glad that you did. Um, but it's off to me. Now I get two picks here. Yep. I'm I'm gonna go back to back. Uma Thurman, The Bride, Kill Bill. You and I have unfinished business. I think nice. this. I easily Kill Bill is. I think for me, top five action movie of all time. And she, she's the mm-hmm. star of that. And honestly, with the Hanzo sword, I think I would take her over over almost any assassin in movie history. And Tori Hanzo, all time revenge story. Her name's The Bride. She doesn't even have a name, and she's that, like, in, like you just mm-hmm. situate yourself with her a lot of times in Revenge and Family. And, oh, I, just, I love this movie. I love this character. That's why I'm picking it at, at the fourth overall pick here. I'm not sure where you had her on your big board, but I know she had to be on your big board. Yeah, I guess she was who I was debating with taking my uh, as a, my second-round pick. Arguably could have been my first-round pick. Uma Thurman, you just associate with Quentin Tarantino, and, like, Kill Bill – is nearly as iconic as Mia Wallace. And she's obviously has the starring role in kill bill. And then like, that is an example. We talked about death proof today. Uh, I know I'm talking more about the movie than the performance here, but that was just an amazing way where he's like, I'm just going to do a Kung Fu movie adopted in modern time and still keep like the Tarantino. It's nuts. Like, like he is like a, a, one of the best, most creative minds like in the world, but yeah, she's yeah. awesome. The bride is iconic and her in the yellow jumpsuit is one of the most iconic movie like images of all time. Oh, to Bruce. You know Lee. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. And again, I think with Uma Thurman, arguably with Kill Bill and Pulp Fiction, some of the best movie posters of all time. She like, mm-hmm. if you had to yeah. do top 10 movie posters, easily those two are probably in it uh, as in Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill. So I think that that speaks for itself as well to the prevalence of that character in movie history, cinematic history, but let's keep moving. My third pick. It's my favorite actor of all time. Oh, here we go. You, you're you, which? So my favorite actor of all time is, is Leonardo DiCaprio. So there's obviously two here. This is big. And I'm going Calvin Candy. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity. Now you have my attention. Like, come on! Like, I think this was the biggest Oscar snub, as in not even being nominated in years for the Academy. I think he, I know it was a minor, minor role, but he was the best character in that movie, which you know, I know we, there's another person that won an Oscar for this movie, but I'm just saying all time character in any movie in history and didn't even get an Oscar nomination. So this is kind of just, uh, what's the word for it? Uh, just an upsetting pick for me or a, a grudge pick, I guess a grudge pick for me. I had to get this guy. Grudge I was afraid. Pick. Yeah. Grudge pick. I had to get this guy. I was afraid of if I didn't pick him now, you would pick him in your next two opportunities coming up. So I'm going to just take him now. Calvin Candy, all-time performance by Leo. What cake? What cake? You would join us in the guest room for some what cake. But uh, I, like, I can't blame you for taking the character. I wouldn't blame you if you took Rick Dalton. I, w- I wouldn't blame you for doing that. Um, it's – on it, was, it is one of the most underrated performances, I would say that had, like that was not nominated. It almost like it was almost automatic that you thought he was going to get nominated, especially Tarantino villain in a movie with about a someone trying to rescue a slave. It's just like it seemed like it would have lined up perfectly for him, and he it's just one of the best performances in, in recent memory. One of his best for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, off um, to you. 
Okay. I went double Pulp Fiction to start. I'm going to go. I'm still going to keep on the Django. I'm actually going to go Django played by Jamie Foxx. That's going to be my third pick of this draft. Django. Can you spell it? D J A N G O. Um, I, I talk about presence on screen. Jamie Foxx has some of the most swag, I think, in the history of cinema in Django, right? He's wearing, like, the blue the blue outfit after he kills, like, the uh, the brothers, like, at the beginning of the movie. Him with the hat. Like, it's just – and, like, his – I don't know. He's just it's – just, I think it's just – he's very powerful as that character. It almost like, it seems like a, he's, like, a superhero when he's Django. And uh, I his dynamic with Dr. King Schultz – sorry for teasing the pick – is a, one of the most fascinating dynamics in any Tarantino movie. Uh, he loves to do his team up. He likes to do buddies, like like a buddy buddy or like a dynamic duo. And the, him and Dr. King Schultz are a great combo. I had to go with Jamie Foxx and probably second best ever performance, I would say, in Django. Yeah, 100 Black Coffins going back to that swag so meter for Jamie Foxx when that song pops on and Jamie Foxx just, on is the million. sole character on the screen. That's just all time swag meter through the roof. So mm-hmm. I think I, I, I love the pick. I think that's perfect spot for him right in the middle of this draft. Like that's where I think he, Django belongs. So I think it's a, it was great value where you got him. Perfect value. Yeah, I think so too. Like I, I, I was I, very appropriate. So now it's on to my fourth pick. Yes, sir. I want to get some diversity in, in my movies here. I don't want to pick like only, I don't want to have five characters, but only two movies. I don't think mm-hmm. that's a good showing of the pantheon of Tarantino films. So I have to dive in to other locations, not Pulp Fiction, not Django Unchained. And I don't want to pick, I, I brought up, I'll, I'll mention it later, but I doubt you're going to pick this person. But I'm going to go Aldo Rain in Inglorious Bastards. Hey, Donnie, Gus German here wants to die for country. Oblige him. I'm going to go uh, Sergeant Aldo Rain. Um, the Tarantino's best revenge movie, just based on the premise of it. Um, his accent, Brad Pitt's accent, incredible, on point, even though it's not really on point. I think that's the joke of it. Um, great leader, leader of men, I would say. A leader of men. And uh, along with like the hilarious accents, like you think of the scenes of him trying to speak Italian and everything. And you think about what the, what the damage he does to the Jews. Like, I'm teasing picks with Donnie Donowitz, like mm-hmm. coming in with the bat and like him, like his presence. Like, Knocks him, it out of park. Yeah. Yeah. Talk, talking down, shaking down these Nazis, right. Trying to make sure that they uh, pay for the sins that they've committed. So I have to go Aldo Rain as my fourth pick. So he was in my top 15. So if, if uh, Nez was in on this draft, I, uh, Definitely would have been picking him around the final round. So, but I think he definitely belongs. As in, like it when you look at the graphic after this and you see Aldo Rain, you're not gonna go like, oh, Aldo Rain. You're gonna go, no, yeah, like that's an all-time character. Like that's a Tarantino character mm-hmm. that I see that should be on the top 15 list or top it's 10 tough. list. It's it is tough. tough. There's so have, many good have, ones. You have people that have played two different characters in Tarantino movies. Like they are, they are like Brad Pitt, like Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, Samuel Jackson. Mm-hmm. Although he, he's more like obvious, but like right. these are they play two beloved characters. You're trying to split hairs. Like it's it's tough. It's tough. So I, I'm gonna go with Aldo Rain. I had to get some movie diversity with Inglorious Bastards. I am a little shocked you picked Aldo Rain over Cliff Booth. I am a yeah. little shocked by that because I'm, my next pick 
I think now, just because I don't want you to have two Brad Pitt characters, I'm going to kick uh, pick Cliff Booth. It's official, old buddy. Well, it has been. What are you talking about? What did that guy tell you? Told me the goddamn truth is what he told me. Whoa, whoa. Hey. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. Here, put these on. Like Oscar winner, first Brad Pitt's first Oscar. I think that speaks for itself. And also, just all-time cool guy as well, Brad Pitt. And this movie really resembles that, or it really shows that. And he's had, like, in this movie, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he steals the scenes. Like, he has the best scenes. Oh, well, he has two of the top five scenes in the movie with Bruce Lee, the fighter Bruce Lee, and then At the Ranch. Just two iconic scenes, two two out of the, like, two of the very best scenes in movies in the past, like, five years, I would say. That's in, like, top 10, top 15 area. Like, I think that movie in itself is very, very good, and Cliff Booth is a huge reason why. Made a mistake taking all the rent. Realizing it right now, but that's okay. It's still a glorious bastard. I think I like that movie even more than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but uh, I definitely think I did make a mistake not taking uh, Booth there, Cliff Booth, just because I think I think it's just recent. I thought it would be recency bias. I don't know, but it, the performance was that good, so I, I, I don't blame you for taking it, especially after I took Aldo Ran. I'm not sure if the audience is going to like that at all. Um, okay, I got I'll one bet. more. My final oh, you got pick. One. You got one. My final pick. I'm I'm going between two. I have four separate Tarantino movies. I have Django. Oh no, sorry. Yeah, yeah, four separate: Inglorious Bastards, Kill Bill, Django, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I'm gonna just do one more: Vincent Van Gogh. Let me ask you something. When did you make this decision? When you were sitting there eating that muffin? Oh yeah. Vincent yeah, Vega. He had, he had to be a draft. John. Like, if you were- that would have been a disgrace. Yeah, and I feel like I don't know if you would have drafted him because you already have two pulp characters. So I feel like he just had to be drafted here, doing it for the better of the team, and he deserves to be on here. He he's like getting him at number nine overall is a steal in my eyes. So I'm just gonna pick him now and just put it in my just put it on my list. Yeah, like he had to be picked. Like it was just like I didn't want I, I already had jewels. And I'm like, I'm going to get Jules and Vincent. Like, that'd be weird. That's why we need Nez for this draft. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's a good pick, man. Like, Vincent Vega, he like he was he, – like, John Travolta's comeback and his dynamic, yes. obviously, as we mentioned before, with uh, uh, Samuel Jackson's Jules. Like, it's just that, – that, that's the best parts of the movie. So, I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. All right. Your final pick. Round us out, Mr. or Mrs. or Miss Relevant. <laughs> so, I want to take, like – I think I think that 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 pick might have sunk my draft. But I think I want to do a, like a smaller role. I, I I could easily throw Rick Dalton here. I almost I did it myself. Rick Dalton. I could go Rick. I think shoot. I think I have to go Rick Dalton. I think I have to. I'm doing it. You're sitting there like a fucking baboon. I'm taking right. Rick Dalton. Uh, like these, the, the performance is way too good to not be in the top ten of characters in Tarantino movies. And you talked about like the the many moments. I know Cliff Booth has like the the ranch scene, and he has the end of the movie, especially with his dog. But then I, I think Leo was low key hilarious in this movie. I don't Trevor scene. Trevor just, scene. I, I think that I think that that performance from Leo might be my favorite from Leo ever. 
Wow. I think, I think it's up there for sure for me. Like I, I, I said at the time and I maintain that he should have got the Oscar for best actor. Like I thought he was that good. Like I love what, like Joaquin's great. I did like Joker. I thought it was a little bit over the top and I didn't really, I don't, I, I thought that Rick Dalton could have won the Oscar in any other year. It was just going to be tough with beating Joaquin, but I have to go that. The one I was debating on is the wolf. I wanted to take the wolf. He's my number 11 on my big board. That would have been three people in Pulp Fiction. And so I I even wrote it out on my list before I even drafted it. Like Mm -hmm. I wrote it, like I'm writing down my picks as I go. Wrote down the wolf. I'm like, I can't do another Pulp Fiction. Right. I I was also between that and then uh, Marcellus Wallace, but I already had a Wallace on my list. Yes. I, I was debating putting restrictions on this draft as in only one movie you can pick from or like only one like like uh one actor you could pick from because i wanted to pick rick dalton but having leo on there twice i just felt like that was just wrong so like and also vincent vega just deserved to be picked like it was just incredible value but like rick dalton i agree with you wholeheartedly and even though cliff booth is great and that's my pick i do think the best scene in that movie is in the trailer i like i think that is the best pick Oh yeah, you're right. That, that I, I should have brought that scene up. I'm actually I, I watched Death Proof obviously, obviously earlier today. And I know you did too, but I actually put it on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood before we st- uh, um, unbelievable started movie. recording. My, I, I think I, like, it's, it's not even streaming right now. I bought it because I was just like, I'm just gonna watch this movie whenever I want. <laughs> I I think for me, Pulp Fiction is the best Tarantino movie, but my favorite I think is Once Upon a Time. I just love that yes. movie. I just love watching it. And it's maybe because Leo's in it. Maybe that's why. And like, I love Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, sorry. But like, I just love that movie. And Rick Dawn is the I, biggest reason why, probably. Right. And I, 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 I said Pulp Fiction, probably my favorite still. But I think Once Upon a Time is close, as is uh, Inglorious Bastards. Right? Like, all three of those, I think, are like the ones I just interchangeably watch, like, nonstop. Mm-hmm. Um, good. So yeah, we, we might draft. We might have to do like a ranking one of these days, like maybe next Tarantino movie that comes out is final one, right? Maybe yeah. uh, we order, like we debate instead of a top billing or we do a top billing of Tarantino movies, but it's just us three making our list of like mm. just debating and trying to pick and choose our battles of the best Tarantino movies in order. That might be interesting to do. A hundred percent. So I, I, I feel, I feel like everyone has to do that. If you have a movie podcast, it's ranked <laughs> Tarantino movies. Yes. Yes. Awesome. But, all right, that rounds out our draft. Before we get to honorable mentions, let me just read off the list. Ricky Flicks has Hans Landa, The Bride, Calvin Candy, Cliff Booth, and Vincent Vega. Dr. O is Jules, Mia Wallace, Django, Lieutenant Aldo Rain, and Rick Dalton. Honorable mentions, Dr. O, let's just go by movie, all right? Yeah. Maybe by movie, except I think that would just be easier to follow. So let's just start, like, I think there's a clear one. Let's just start with, like, as in uh, all the way back in 92, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Mr. Blonde went undrafted. I know. Mr. Blonde could have had a spot on this list, but like that's this is only two people. So we're like when we post this poll and say who won the draft and like to comment what you think about our picks, people are gonna be hating on it. Like I like they're gonna be saying, like, how could this person not be drafted? Hello, people. It's only ten picks. You know? <laughs> right. It's only ten picks. And Tarantino is like ultimate characters in film. Right. And like yes, and I, Mr. Blonde, obviously iconic dancing scene. I think I drafted that dancing moment when we did music and movies. Um, ah, uh, he needed to be drafted for sure. Uh, Mr. Pink, I think could have been drafted. I think Shami. that was kind of a long shot. I, he was on my list, but he's way down the list. 
Um, that goes back to the movie universe with Tarantino because, like, he has Mr. Pink has the famous, uh, like, the in the diner scene saying he doesn't tip unless, like, they put in the extra effort. But in Pulp right. Fiction, he's a waiter. Buscemi is the waiter. So it's like, oh, like, the universe, Tarantino universe. So right. interesting. Any other thing, anyone else from Reservoir Dogs that you just want to nah, say? just those two, I would say. Yeah, I would say those two are the only, like, memorable, iconic ones. Um, how about Pulp Fiction? You mentioned Marcellus yeah. Wallace. Marcellus Wallace, The Wolf, those two, I think they were high on my big board. I really wanted to draft them. Um, I would never draft Tarantino playing like in his own movie, but like Jimmy, like I, Jimmy. I, I thought about it just like just because of the coffee, but I and obviously the sheets and everything, it's just the linens or whatever. So uh, I, I thought he, I wouldn't draft him, but like I did enjoy the moments that he was in the movie. Yeah, yeah, I think he was actually that's probably his best performance. Mr. Brown's yeah, pretty was, good in Reservoir he was Dogs, not but good in Death Proof. The Death Proof he was terrible, but um, not good. I think Pulp, like people might say, like oh Butch and Pulp Fiction. I didn't. I think he was like honestly the worst part in that movie, even though it was good. I think it was the worst part. Um, Captain Coons, like yeah, with the yeah, golden watch got, scene. I, it was I, only I, five I, minutes, I but he was yeah. he was phenomenal. Um, and also like I know like we it was his characters, but the briefcase in itself. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. if you picked it, just I like wouldn't. The car, just like just like we said, the car is the villain and death proof, right? And then it's like you can also say like the suitcase. So yeah. yeah, like if you picked that, I would have been like, okay, that's fine. So, um, I just wanted to mention that. All right, Kill Bill one and two. Any other mentions you want to say? I had Oren Ishii on mine. Oren Ishii, I mm-hmm. love uh, her in that movie. I, obviously, part one, that's where she's in it. Um, and they do a lot of backstory with her too. Like the and the anime right with tarantino going through her story uh the final finale battle the composure she has and like she goes she's going against the bride and then like it's one of of my favorite moments in film it's where the snow is coming down she's walking out to fight her like outside the the temple or whatever they are in and you just hear the light clapping the yes it just gets me hyped every time. I look up that scene on YouTube every once in a while, but that is uh, one of my favorite scenes in movies, and uh, I think she deserved a spot. If we if we were doing like top fifteen, I would have drafted her. Do you think she's better than L? Like the the one yeah. the eye patch you do yeah. like the chill Bill song like coming from that like uh-huh. she was a great villain. Also, Death Proof. Uh, the, the ringtone. Uh, Ringtone. Yes. Uh, obviously the Kill Bill song. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, that was awesome. But all right. Um, and also, I just don't think Bill, he's no action scene, so I don't think he would be a good I, pick either. I, I, I'm a big Kill Bill 1 over 2 person. Um, and obviously Kill Bill 2 is where you have mostly Bill. And so I'm, I'm just, I just didn't like his character that much, to be honest. And I enjoyed other aspects of the movie, but I, people will disagree with that for sure. Yeah. Well, all right. One more before we get to the 2000s. Hey, oh, I'm sorry, Jackie Brown. Like we didn't even talk about Jackie Brown. I, I personally, like, I like the movie. Don't love it. Yeah, I don't love it either. It's one of the Tarantino movies. Like, I don't find like I'm gonna rewatch this. I, I, I don't find it that rewatchable. Like, we I, re- I have, mm-hmm. but like, I, I. I I've seen it like I would say three times around there and then I've caught bits and pieces of it other times. It's just not one that I automatically flip on if I need something to watch. Will you rewatch death proof? Yeah. Yeah. I think I will too. It was just, that was a great just entertainment. I think I'll rewatch mm-hmm. that over Jackie Brown for sure. hundred percent. All right, moving on just real quick. Now I'm just going to say mo- movies uh, as in not necessarily the year in order death proof. 
no, 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 we didn't Stuntman Mike would have been a great pick. Stuntman Mike Stuntman was, Mike would have that would have been like a top fifteen potentially. Like Stuntman Mike, like I didn't want to do it just because we just reviewed the movie, but he's pretty Fearless. good. Like that would have if you said it, I'd have been like, all right, that's a pretty good pick. Um, all right, real quick, Django. Any others? Steven, maybe. But dude, no one picked Doctor King Schultz. Ah, uh, yeah, the biggest one. Yeah, no one picked Doctor King. But I, I wasn't gonna take him because if I took him, that's like admitting defeat. If I did that for the draft, because you took Hans Landa, right? I'm not gonna take the role that he won an Oscar for, but he didn't do as well. Right. Like, it's so clear better as Hans Landa, even though he's amazing as Dr. King Schultz. But if I took that, people are going to compare the list and they're going to be like, Hans Landa's better. I'm going to pick Ricky Flex. Yeah. I didn't want that. Comparison. Good strategy was, on your part. It was a total strategy pick. All right. But, uh, and that's where I think you're going to like succeed when it comes to like Aldo Rain versus Rick Dalton. I mean, uh, Cliff Booth. Uh, Cliff excuse Booth. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the people are going to be like, Cliff Booth, for better performance than Aldo Rain. But then people are also say like, Glorious Bastard, it's such a good movie. They might just make that connection right and i didn't want christoph waltz on my list twice that's why i didn't pick him but definitely he was very high on my big board like easily top 10 i think it was my number six or maybe five on my big board but i just didn't want to pick him because i already had hans landa so um i think that was the clear omission there all right hateful eight no mention here yeah uh, i'm i'm a big fan of this movie this is one i actually rewatch a lot and it's a long movie like i i do this on purpose like late now like i'm throwing on the hateful eight um mm-hmm. majestic movie uh i like like the beginning of it like the, the horses trotting in the snow and everything then it's the one setting and like the dialogue and then the intensity right the whodunit type of thing i love that um but i wanted i i thought about john the hangman ruth i thought about uh sheriff mannix uh, Walton Goggins character. I, I really did like him, that performance in that movie. And then obviously uh, Marquez Warren there. I was, I wasn't going to draft, I, I draft uh, Daisy Domergue, even though she was pretty electric. In the she show. was amazing. She got the only Oscar nom uh, acting wise from this movie. I think she won. Or she won? Oh, I wow. She I, won. Yeah, for Hateful Eight, I'm pretty sure. Oh, wow. I didn't think so. Oh, but wow. We that, can double check, but I'm, I think she did. But Hateful Eight, I think it's an underrated movie kind of forgotten about because it's kind of slow because it's just literally pure dialogue so um but i think it's a wonderful movie obviously you do as well since you put it on all the time i love uh i kind of skipped skipped over the glorious bastards but we already did aldo rain and hans landa but maybe uh donnie donowitz uh any other from that movie uh for uh, glorious bastards yeah um donnie was a good one I think uh, that's dude the, the the girl what's her name Shoshana yeah I... Shoshana I think I think she could have got an opportunity here um, Michael Fassbender was pretty good and same with that villain in that scene yeah yeah the villain there is pretty good yeah Mike Myers Mike Myers Mike Myers Mike Myers, <laughs> Mike Myers. all right and then finally <laughs> uh, Once Upon a Time we already drafted Rick Dawn and Cliff Booth but no Sharon Tate um, any others you want to quickly mention or. Sharon Tate would have been interesting. Uh, I wasn't going to pick it. I didn't think she actually did enough in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think we not, you had to pick the top two. Yeah. Uh, you could say Bruce Lee, maybe. Um, I, I don't think so, though. I think it's those two. It was like or bust. It was, it was Rick Dalton and Cliff both both needed. Dakota Fanning was great in that in her one scene uh, when mm. before uh, Brad Pitt goes to see Bruce. Well, Mar- Margaret Mar- Margaret Qualley. Oh yeah, right, right. Um, she was awesome. 
Yeah, so that rounds out top billing of Quentin Tarantino characters. I'm going to throw it back oh. over to Dr. Rowe. And she, she didn't win, by the way, for Hateful Eight. I think she was just nominated. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. All right. Ricky Flex, that was a fun episode. Top billing, right? We got reviews, Tarantino. both related to Tarantino. Tarantino theme. How could anyone hate that? Must listen stuff. And also must watch. I'm going to watch well, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood once, once we're done recording. So that does it. And that will conclude this episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Thank you for listening. And please leave us a review wherever you are listening to this. And then rate us five stars. Pretty please. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are at the Drive-In Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Yes, we are on TikTok. We are on Facebook and YouTube as well as the Drive-In. Okay. Uh, the Gift God has been working hard on trailers. He's been working on uh, all these different cl- cl- cut-ups. Like he's been clipping up reviews. He's been doing top billings. Make sure you're subscribing to the YouTube. You don't want to miss out on the content we're produ- uh, he's producing there. Check out on our blog on a daily basis too at thedriveinpod.com. Blogs are going to be churned out like no other. All right, moving on this point forward, going into the summer. So expect, I would say, two or three per day. Okay, so stay there for your news. Uh, and that does it for this episode of the Drive-In Pod. We will 